Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah. about to be spoken and things continue to be broken i'm becoming broken this installment of the extreme life of matt hardy we are broadcasting for the blue chew studios try blue chew free when you use our promo code hardy at checkout just pay five dollars shipping i of course am john alba joined as always every single week every single friday here wherever you get your podcast by the man of the hour one half of the most intoxicating tag team in all of space and time. Mr. Matt Hardy, how are you, my friend? I am very good, and what a great choice of words with intoxicating. That's one of my favorite adjectives. It's a big broken Matt word. I've been watching so much broken Hardy stuff that it's just <laughs> kind of embedded in my brain at this point. I, I found is. myself in it's regular very deep, conversation. Dude. Exactly. And in regular conversation using these uh, synonym words that you traditionally yeah. would not use in conversation. And uh, I blame you for that. So <laughs> thanks for that, man. Uh, how are you? We had one hell of an episode last week, the final deletion. And uh, I got a lot of feedback. I'm sure you did as well. I, I did as well. People really seem to enjoy it, especially how we went into such great detail uh, in, in the final deletion. It was just such a learning experience. And, and, and really, that, that is the, the match that kind of set the tone for what the broken universe would become. It was so fascinating getting a like you always talk about like getting the peek inside the locker room in my my head and like that really was very much that because there was so much context now to everything that we saw with the broken universe and there's still more because now as we're going to find out in this episode you feel comfortable enough to start diving deeper and deeper and deeper into the absurdity. Yes, uh, we, we definitely knew we had something, as I'd said in the past, during that contract signing, it was such a polarizing response to it. And then once we did the final deletion and, and it set record ratings on Pop TV, it did a crazy, uh, a super amazing DVD watch afterwards, and it went viral online as people started uploading it left and right all over uh, all over the internet. So we knew we were onto something special and, and we were going to push the, the limits and see how, how far we could go. 
Well, before we get into the meat and bones of today's episode, I want to put this over here because as this drops, it is WrestleMania weekend. And the biggest thing you can do WrestleMania weekend, especially if you're in Dallas or if you're just streaming stuff, the VIP Super Show, Conrad Thompson, has got you covered. And it's a special one, Matt. Supershowlive.com, streaming live on Fight, exclusively on Fight at 8 p.m. Eastern. Jeff Jarrett. Eric Bischoff, William Regal, and some guy named Jeff Hardy. I could not believe that Jeff was going to be part of an event like this. It's so un-Jeff Hardy. So that makes us must-see television. I mean, what do you think about this? This is so different for him. Uh, it's very unique. Brother Nero making his podcasting debut. So uh, it's going to be fun. I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited to see it. Yeah. What a unique set of characters, huh? Eric Bischoff, William Regal, Jeff Jarrett. A crew. A motley crew, indeed. Uh, that is going down at Gillies in Dallas. So if you're in the area, go check that out. And again, Fight TV, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Jeff Jarrett's a name that's going to come up on this podcast, and we're going to talk about it. So let's get to it here. This is the Expedition of Gold episode. Uh, I don't even know where 12, 11. I don't even know, but it's the Expedition of Gold. And with that, Matt, we got to bring in that Matt fact. Hit us. Matt fact. Matt considers the Broken Universe the most fun in his entire career. I would very much agree with that. This is episode 12, by the way. I, I checked. Um, so, okay. That's, this, this is fun because this whole run from July until March, I would have to think as an observer, is probably the most enjoyment you've ever gotten out of pro wrestling. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling after the final deletion and you're getting all this feedback? Uh I mean, great. We we love the feedback we got to it. And, and especially because it was, we didn't totally know what we were doing then, but it was enough of a success and people were so happy with it. And, they, and it was so talked about and it became a viral thing. So once we had some buzz behind the Broken Universe and, and Broken Matt and who would become Brother Nero, we, we knew that we could push it a little further. And, and this was like more than just pro wrestling. This was almost like sci-fi and 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 we literally were like doing we were making movies as opposed to being pro wrestlers in many many ways like this is Vince McMahon's wildest dream and in, in, in a lot of capacities because that's what he you know sees pro wrestling as making movies so the next week after the foundation is destination x and we are seeing a combination of vignettes and live in ring action from you guys and whether you're wrestling or you're cutting promos yes. in the ring, whatever it may be, you're combining these two elements where it's almost like an epilogue to the final deletion. Uh, you're talking to the dilapidated boat and you're thanking him for shielding you from Jeff and his attacks. We see you more talking about hating mustard and green beans and you're going to delete brother Nero's essence. And that brings you to the ring then. And I want to ask you about that. How did you feel about combining vignettes and these movies, as you just alluded yes. to, and also being in person for these tapings? Uh, I mean, I, I love that. It was a lot of work. I remember they were editing that, uh, Jeremy Warash and Jimmy Long, they were editing the movie theater scene uh, up until the very end, which wasn't even this week, but coming, uh, coming up the following week, I think. Uh, th there was so much work to be done in all these things. I mean, these guys were working overtime because it was very uh, very much a small crew, only a couple of a couple guys doing all the work on these things. But I love the actual mixture of it and like intertwining 
you know, the vignettes that we had shot or the small movies, the mini movies we'd made along with like live in ring action. So Jeff eventually makes his way down to the ring here. You, you want everyone to see how pathetic and weak and broken brother Nero is. Yes. Rebby is shouting obsolete at him with no music. I like the presentation of this a lot. This was so different than anything else in pro wrestling. Who came up with that idea to really break, no pun intended, but break Jeff down like that? Uh, we definitely wanted to embarrass him and like and and break him. That was going to be the whole goal of this, you know, becoming Brother Nero as well as becoming broken. Uh, that was a combination of all our ideas, and that whole scene was really inspired by Game of Thrones. Uh, if you had ever seen Cersei when she had to do the uh, the Walk of Shame, you know, shame, shame. That that was our inspiration for doing that. And just lo and behold, obsolete became a great buzzword because obsolete. Uh, is one of Jeff's songs, I'll Fade Away and Classify Myself as Obsolete. And that was actually lyrics that he had that we could utilize, and that ended up getting over huge. And then also, uh, Rebby is a big fan. Her favorite Twilight Zone episode of all time is The Obsolete Man. So th those are all those, uh, all those items combined is what inspired the segment. So did Jeff come up to you and was like, hey, we should use this idea obsolete because it's our theme song for this podcast. Everyone talks about yeah. it. Such a jam. Did, did he suggest to you we should do that? Uh, I think we did it first. Uh, I, I, I had the word obsolete. And once again, I was looking for archaic words that aren't in circulation as much currently, uh, you know, as, as other words to try to just be unique and different as broken Matt, make everything seem, you know, out of the ordinary. And then obsolete was a word that I had kind of gravitated towards. And then just lo and behold, just said, Oh, I have a song that actually has obsolete in it. It's in the title of the song. Oh, really? And then I was checking. I was like, oh, my God, we need to, to fuse these together because they're perfect for one another. Yeah. And that line, I'll fade away and classify myself. It fits so perfectly. Yes. That's almost it's almost coincidental. That's crazy. I, I never put two and two together like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that that song had been made uh, yeah, shortly year. before. It's like a year before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A year before. You know, but they they, they definitely this, the song wasn't inspired by this, which you would think if you heard it like, oh, my God, that was inspired by this wrestling storyline they did or whatever, but it, it wasn't. The song was already in existence and it fit perfectly. When you break that down and you think about that, that there's no inspiration from these characters, what a peek into Jeff's mind that is, isn't it? Like that yeah. he would write a lyric like that. He would write a line like that. <laughs> right. He, he really is. There, there's such artistry to what he does. I, I don't know. I'm, this is me just like speaking aloud. This wasn't in my notes or anything. I'm thinking about that as such a music fan. That is really abstract and Man, that just fits so perfectly into your guys' characters. <laughs> yes, really cool. uh, practically perfect, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a really important thing that happens in this segment that after you berate him, you say that you have to make sure that Jeff cannot find any joy in anything. Right. And that if he, he wasn't under your control, he would just take a new name. He'd go back to New York City and work for that egomaniacal... Can you say his name? Because the the, the megalomaniac, Mick Mahan, Mick Mahan, or he'd even go to Japan, and instead you're going to turn him into your mule. Yes, that dichotomy of you <clears throat> yeah. reigning over Brother Nero—that's a really big driving point for this part of your character. I feel like yes, uh, finally, like our real life relationship kind of entered the screen. <laughs> 
you know, where I was the businessman that does all, you know, handles all the business and calls all the shots and kind of chooses the direction to go in. He just is the rock star that executes it all. Um, but no, it was it, the, the, the funny thing about that is obviously I'd said, you know, I hate Brother Nero. I have to delete him. I have to end him. I have to erase him from existence, you know, because he's ruined my family tree. Obviously, you can't lose a character like the, you know, the, the the superstar Jeff Hardy. So that was our way of, you know, making the story have continuity and still keeping him around. And then we wanted to rebuild into another phase of the Hardys. And this was really like one of my favorite reinventions of Jeff, you know, like he, he, he didn't do it quite as often or as much as I did because he didn't have to. But this uh, Brother Nero reinvention uh, is something that he just he did masterfully. It really is. And he owned it entirely. When you bring up Vince's name, yes, is there any pushback on that or anything? Uh, no, not at all. I mean, I, I, I really, I had free reign at this point. You know, whatever I wanted to say or do, I didn't have to clear it with anyone. I just, I just went and did it, and I, I was doing what I thought was best for uh, TNA or Impact at that time. What does doing? Because I know people are gonna be like, "Oh, he just mentioned Vince's name," but man. In some circles, like that's taboo in wrestling, like bringing up another. We've talked about this in the past, bringing up another promotion, bringing up another person's name that is in another plane of existence in wrestling. Was there any concern on your behalf when you come up with an idea to do something like that? Because I hear that as an audience member, like, oh, he said Vince's name. And, yeah. And- yeah. I mean, I was also playing to like the the diehard TNA fans, which were also mm-hmm. probably internet fans, which were online fans. And like really if in, in a real world and like, you know, just much like how the world is so interconnected now, like, you know, everybody knows everything because of this machine we're on right now, the internet, you know, like everybody is, is connected in some way, shape or form. And I, if Jeff was going to be fired, if I was going to get rid of Jeff, they go, oh, well, you know, he's leaving this territory and he's going back to WWE or he's going to new Japan or he's going to ring of honor or whatever, you know, that that's obviously what he would do as a, as an active pro wrestler who was at the top of his game at that time, you know? So I, I just wanted to reference that and, and do a play on that. Like, this is why I'm not firing him because he would go to the dastardly Mick Mahon, you know, he would go to the, the honorable ring or he would go to the Japan wrestling that is new or whatever I said, you know, I, I just, I just reference those things. And once again, I was, I was very much working for, our diehard TNA fan and also the internet fans. The next week you are on Jeff's property, I believe. And you shoot a vignette where you ask him to replicate his dirt bike jump. Yeah. And he fails. I talked about this last week with you. The callbacks are so great here. This is so important. It's a huge piece of this storytelling. Who came up with that idea and uh, how dangerous was this? Cause he bails out and it, it doesn't seem like it's something that's easy to do. Yeah. I, I know we had talked about doing it and, and it, it may have been Jeff's idea, um, but I thought it was a, a great play on our past. And obviously the whole beginning of this whole story in many ways where he, he broke his leg, which ultimately led to me becoming big money mad and becoming broken. Um, <laughs> Jeff said, yeah, man, I can do it really easy. He said, like, I'll just jump. And I'll just send the bike flying. He said, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll bell right off right from the beginning. It'll be a small fall and you can laugh at me like it was a failure or whatever. And of course, Jeff Hardy being Jeff Hardy can't do anything small. You know, he holds on just a little bit too long. And then he takes this outrageous bump. And like, 
I was sitting there and doing Broken Matt Hardy the whole while and like looking at him and laughing. And like, I, you, I know JB could look whenever I ran over to him, like that I was worried, but he's like, no, no, just keep going, keep going, keep rolling, come stay in it, stay in it, stay in it. You know, and I'm going, yeah, oh, you know, doing the whole thing. And I'm like, as soon as we came, I was like, holy fuck, man, are you all right? Like, I mean, I had no idea if he had a broken hip or a broken shoulder or a broken arm. I mean, it, it was brutal. And he was like very, very, very beat up from it. Can you imagine? If something went wrong there, like all of this, yeah, all of this, everything you put into this is gone. And, and it also, it's one of those things too. It's like, Jeff, you told me that would be easy and safe. He's like, oh, I thought it would be. <laughs> you know, that's very, very much a Jeplin. Oh, I thought it would be. <laughs> I imagine that's probably happened one or two times in the ring as well. Yeah, so. Yes. Many times. <laughs> many times over. They're the best four words that any man could hear. I knew you'd come. <laughs> Are you looking to take your gimmick from broken to woken? Well, lucky for you, this episode of The Extreme Life of Matt Hardy is brought to you by Blue Chew. I know a lot of wrestling fans have plenty of bravado when it comes to sharing opinions on Twitter. But what about when it comes to stepping up to the plate in the bedroom? That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but it comes in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. Now, if you're like me and you're always on the road or you're at work at different hours every day, no problem. You can take them on a moment's notice. And then what do you know? Things are about to get extreme. And the process is incredibly easy. Sign up at BlueChew.com and consult with one of their licensed medical providers. Once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. And all of those confidence problems will soon become obsolete. The best part is, it's all done online. You don't have to go to the doctor. You don't have to wait in line at the pharmacy. And you can spend your free time creating poetry in motion rather than having awkward conversations about your ladder breaking before you can get it set up. Blue Chew tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. House Hardy has grown in size quite a bit over the years. That's because I know the importance of taking the twist of fate into your own hands rather than letting yourself become a whisper in the wind. V1 of your sex life may not have been great, but V2 can be. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you have our promo code HARDY at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code HARDY to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank you, Blue Chew, for sponsoring our podcast. Uh, so the next week, EC3, he's just such an intertwined part of this story. Uh, yeah. He beats you after the ref sees you trying to use a hammer. And you're putting a lot of heat on Jeff throughout the story that you're telling. He suggests that you punish him with whatever, because according to you, nothing is worse than than deletion you're going super hard heel here this is not there's no semblance of baby face but we know that within the next month or so you're going to be turning baby face right so as you say at this juncture matt 
were were there any plans to turn babyface? Yes, we were ultimately going to turn babyface and work with the K. Uh, specifically, how we got there, we didn't have it determined all the way yet. Either a uh, people were going to get behind me trying to break Jeff and him becoming Brother Nero, or or B we were going to do a thing where Jeff ends up getting me back on track and stops me from being crazy as broken Matt. And then we'd go to like a new rendition of the Hardy boys. So those were our two plans. And we hope the whole while for, for a, you know, uh, broken Matt driving brother Nero crazy and having him accept and embrace the identity of brother Nero. And like in, in real life, I wanted him to stop going off the top rope every single night. Cause he would just like beat the shit out of himself. I was like, dude, you're like a big star. You're like Jeff Hardy. And like, people are very happy to see you. You don't have to give them, every single thing every single night you know because it's it's hard on you especially as you get older and you know you don't have to do like a whisper in the wind and a swanton and that uh pop up in the corner drop kick where you're like flat lands flat on his back and head which was real rough on him i mean he would do those things every single night and dives out of the ring onto the stairs whatever and i was like man we just need to like you need to work smarter and we can do this almost through a storyline aspect with me having you become brother nero and saying you can no longer be a spot monkey well, that's a, what a what a great transition. That's exactly where we get August fourth, Matt, uh, two thousand and sixteen. The expedition unofficially begins here. You say that when you guys were tag champs, Jeff got hurt and it took money out of your pocket, so you got to become tag champs again. And you're calling Jeff a spot monkey, and you say now that Jeff is not allowed to jump off of the top rope. And you face JT Dunn, someone I know very well from working on the Indies, and uh, Chuck Taylor, which is wild considering where he's at right now. Right. And this is where we really start to see the ring side, because there's like a lot of ring psychology here where you have to change that mindset of how you work. And you're making Jeff do that very much so. You do not want him coming off the top rope. Uh, in this match, you pull a fan over the barricade, you bite him to draw some blood, more vampire influence. And, and if I'm not mistaken, I like make Jeff do the whole match, right? Uh, yes. I'm, pre I'm pretty sure he just has to go it alone. And, that, so, and so I, I remember asking, I, I'll, I'll tell you this, I remember asking, say, hey, can you give us two extras? You know, so, you know, we can just have guys that Jeff could, you know, beat pretty easily. And I remember thinking that, you know, we had all JT Dunn and, uh, um, and uh, Chuck Taylor, which is like, oh, hold up, man. I don't want to do, you know, I don't want to kill these guys. Like, we got to make it a little more competitive because they gave us two good guys or whatever. And I remember that specifically about Chuck Taylor. Like, I, I knew his stuff from Evolve really well. Yeah, two very good talents yeah. that they put you in there with. Uh, big JT Dunn fan. Um, but anyway, so, yeah, so Jeff's working this match. And you're screaming on the outside, you better not lose. You deleted obsolete mule. And uh, he's going for the swanton, but you told him he can't. So you get in the ring to block it, but Jeff jumps over you anyway, only to take a twist of fate. And with him down, you tag yourself in and you pin JT Dunn. This is great stuff here. Did you very, a lot very of good, very good storytelling for what mm -hmm. we were trying to accomplish? That's that's exactly what I was gonna say. Like, this is a totally different spin on the Hardy Boys. We've never seen anything like this before. Are are you the one responsible for putting together a finish like that? Yes, that that was that was definitely on me. This whole concept was me, and and I wanted it to be like uh, I was making Jeff do all the work, as I wanted to say. I want him to be my mule, like literally, like he's almost my servant, or you know, he, he has to do everything for me. And and the reason I wanted him to do all this is he had to make up for costing us the money we lost 
after we had to relinquish the tag team titles. So it was his job to go out and win these tag team titles again, and he's going to have to go out alone. And then I was just hoping as time went on, you know, you start seeing the cracks in Jeff, and then eventually he accepts it, and then we, you know, go hand in hand forward as, in, as far as being uh, the greatest tag team in all of space and time. Well, the next week lays the groundwork for everything that we're going to see from now until the end of your run in TNA. So it's it's August 11th, and we're seeing uh, more movie stuff from you guys. And uh, you mentioned to Jeff that you had a premonition <laughs> of decay trying to abduct Maxel. So you've you've put you've kept Rebby and Maxel at the Hardy compound because of that, and um, you tell Jeff to get ready for your guys' match. You threaten to eat and delete anyone who gets in your face as you guys face the tribunal and. Uh, you're hypnotizing a fan at ringside in this. I know you got a good story about that that you'll share with us in a second. Um, and then post match, you say that Jeff was so close to being perfect there, but it, it wasn't quite. And that triggers Jeff. He puts Al Snow through a table and then puts himself through a second table because the only person that punishes Jeff is Jeff and not you, Matt. It's only Jeff. You're laughing maniacally, and there he says he is Brother Nero. You are thrilled because Jeff has finally broken. So take me through this. Let's start with the hypnotizing. How'd that come about? <laughs> yeah, the, the hypnotizing, once again, uh, as I was trying to build Broken Matt into this uh, supernatural-esque type character, uh, that was uh, pulled from True Blood. In True Blood, you know, the their vampire, you know, there's, been different versions of vampires that have different powers or different things but in true blood their vampires could glamour humans so that was me glamouring a fan we're literally like i like eye contact and i and my essence takes over his essence and i i get total control of them for a little bit so that that is what i was doing and i feel like he was holding up a sign or something or a tour sign i can't i can't remember what happened but i know it was a fan and like i glamoured them into becoming a, a broken mat fan at that point <laughs> and, and, and then the deal with Jeff was just like we saw these little cracks and, and things starting to happen. And and whenever you say that, no one can punish Jeff Hardy more than Jeff Hardy. I mean, there's a lot of reality to that, too. Like the way he wrestles, you know, like as far as being a, a stuntman or daredevil. I mean, there's there's a lot of truth and, and, and so much reality in that. Like he really does go out of his way to punish himself for the fans entertainment. And that's what I was trying to to break him from. But just this moment of him acknowledging that and uh, admitting that and embracing it and saying, you're right, I am Brother Nero. I, I I do need to change like you have suggested. And then the whole thing with Maxwell, I knew Maxwell was my key to turning babyface with Decay, especially if they were trying to kidnap, kidnap this cute little baby and I was going to do whatever to be father of the year and, and protect him. That was my key to turning babyface. Okay, let's break that down more. So that's very meta, what you just said about Jeff, like nobody punishes jeff like jeff like even looking at what just happened with jeff like in in a lot of circumstances yeah. things don't unfold but jeff hardy is jeff hardy and it just worked out <laughs> in his favor and you're 100 percent right on that this is the segment that jeff told us about in that interview we did with him correct where he like yes. kind of on the fly forgot what he was supposed to say right what was he originally uh, supposed to say uh, he wanted to say, because I kept calling him the nefarious Brother Nero, that is the adjective that I'd kind of lined up every time before his name. And I tried to 
be very repetitive with that so it would stick and, and get over. And he meant to say, like, you know, I'm the nefarious Brother Nero. And then he ended just, up just saying Brother Nero, which was fine in the big totally scene. Totally fine. But but he has he has little things like that that he that he would like to do that he'll get mad at, mad at himself over if he doesn't get it one hundred percent right. Sometimes less is more though, and like yes, him just saying yeah. "I am Brother Nero," it's like the "I am Iron Man" with Tony Stark. You know, it's yeah, it's, it's easy. You um, are right. And also, I've learned that over the years because I I am someone who tries to be very detailed and even like it, in my speaking here, I, I probably, you know, elongate stuff and, and, and speak in more detail than I even have to. I have learned that less is more and sometimes less is more impactful, especially in moments like that. It certainly was. I think him just saying I am brother Nero is perfect. You don't need anything more than that. Mm-hmm. The Maxwell stuff you just mentioned, that's your key to turning babyface. So I asked you a few minutes ago, you were going super heel just two weeks prior to this, and now you realize you're going babyface. So what changed? It, it People had just gravitated towards the act so much, and they were really into it. You could tell with the way they were chanting, uh, just the feedback we got from like casual fans and diehard fans. People were just like into what the, the Broken Hardys were doing and, and our story. And I, I feel like it was just so different, especially in, in you know in 2016, when wrestling was changing into so much more of an in-ring product, you know, with higher work rates and, and smaller guys and, and better matches and whatnot. It was just something that was so out of the box and so different. And in some ways, a throwback to, uh, to old school wrestling or, you know, like, you know, 80s or 90s, early 90s wrestling in WWE. More big stuff the next week here, Matt. You say there will be no jumping off ladders in your Ascension to Hell ladder match. <laughs> Against the Bromans, the Tribunal, and the Helms Dynasty, you guys win to clinch a number one contender spot against the Decay at Bound for Glory. What do you think of the Decay as a unit? I thought there was a lot of talent there. I thought it was a nice little twist on Abyss, something for him to do later in his career. I found them to be pretty entertaining. Uh, I, I did too, and we just—they were—they were the perfect foils for us too. You know, especially because it was myself and my brother, and then there was you know my wife, Queen Rebecca, who was obviously a uh, a character on television at this time. And then with those guys, there was Abyss, Crazy Steve, and Rosemary. So it like it matched up really well too, and just uh, that they could do such a great job of being like a like a acting seriously and being creepy and spooky and almost like a horror act. And and they were the they were the right guys for us to turn babyface against. Where does Abyss stand for you on? all-time underrated talent because i i really think he is wwe was going to bring him in at one point in 2003 to work the undertaker at wrestlemania like this was a guy that had a lot of eyes on him and now if i'm not mistaken i'm pretty sure he's a producer in wwe doing some behind the scenes work yes uh he 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 was great he was always great to work with he was very giving maybe even too generous to some people which sometimes that can be detrimental to, to bigger guys like him but he was a very given guy. He always worked so hard, and he was extremely athletic as well. You know, for a big guy, he could also move really well. Uh, and just a, a great human being overall. So I have lots of love for Abyss. Yeah. So the next week, we have this contract signing for the tag team title shire. You've got the contract. And you say that the titles are decaying and must be saved by your brilliance. And that brings out Jeff, who is kind of sing speaking the lyrics to the obsolete song. That's super different. How'd that come about? 
that we were going to try and use that to start um, kind of branding Jeff as Brother Nero, that once again, he had accepted everything. He had accepted the fact that not only is he the nefarious Brother Nero, but he is also obsolete in some ways, especially the the old version of Jeff Hardy, who was the super spot monkey who would jump off every perch available, who was the, the the stuntman, the daredevil. You know, he was obsolete, and Jeff was accepting and embracing that. And it was uh, a really refreshing way to do his character change, I thought, which it could also, you know, hopefully give him longevity in, in the business. So you promise revenge on Decay for stealing Maxwell in your vision, and you vow to eat all of them. And Jeff is up to fighting any of them. Abyss volunteers. Jeff goes for a swanton in the match, but you tell him he's a spot monkey and can't. He doesn't listen, and he loses because of it. And you say that he has much to learn. Really good storytelling layers being built here that you can come back on. When you're doing something like that, do you have that payoff in mind? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. No, we, we do have a payoff in mind as far as uh, what we're going to ultimately do. I knew there would be one point whenever we do win the titles that – I will allow him to do a swan time because it was in the right, the right time in the right setting. And, it, you know, once again, uh, him being uh, addicted to uh, being a spot monkey, you know, once in a while they slip. So I just had to stay on him and make sure to continue his rehabilitation. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. By now, you know that everything is crazy overseas and well, that's created some volatility in the market. We actually saw rates tick down a little bit this week. We don't know how long it'll stay that way. All the experts are predicting that there is going to be a rate hike this month in the month of March. Some are saying 25 basis points. Others are saying 50. What does that mean? It means waiting will cost you money. And by the way, I want to mention this is still a once in a lifetime opportunity just based on your real estate values. You see all of a sudden your house is worth considerably more than it was just a couple of years ago. And as a result, you can use that newfound equity to change your your life. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners take their 30 year loan and pay it off in half the time. And how can they afford to do that without their payments going sky high? We get rid of all their other debt. And I mean it as a heads up. What would you do if you had no credit card debt? Just like that, it was all paid off. How much easier would life be if those car payments, whoop, they're out of here. No more car payments. That is the story that we're able to help our friends and family with at SaveWithConrad.com. You see, the interest you pay on your credit cards, not tax deductible, and sky high. The interest you pay on your car loans, buddy, where is that going? What if we could restructure all of your debt, use some of this newfound equity, and at the same time, get you out of debt faster? You see, what we're talking about is reducing the time on your mortgage. Yes, we're going to get you a great rate, but if you're in a 30-year loan, think about what your life looks like 30 years from now. Man, life gets a lot easier when you're completely debt-free, and that's what we want to help you do. And by the way, you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And oh, as a heads up, if you've been thinking, hey man, I like my house, but my kitchen's kind of outdated. What if we could get you the cash you need to turn your average kitchen 
into something your wife loves and it wouldn't change your monthly payment at all. Why wouldn't you do that? You see, you'd be reinvesting back in your own property. That's going to make your house worth even more. And oh yeah, you can do it with cheaper monthly payments at savewithconrad.com. Now I know it sounds too good to be true, but I want you to go check out our reviews for yourself. See what some of our new family members are saying at conradreviews.com. You'll see there we've got over a thousand verified reviews. Our average rating is 4.72. And if we were a restaurant with a thousand reviews and a 4.72 rating, I know where you're eating dinner and I know where you need to do your next loan. It's savewithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's savewithconrad.com. More house hardy, great stuff coming up after this. You guys are playing the piano. You're singing the obsolete song. Even Benjamin Vanguard one, Maxwell, they're all there. You're singing along. This is like, this is the essence of broken Matt Hardy, man. Yes. So great. You guys are having so much fun here. And Maxwell's piano playing gives you a premonition that the battle with decay will take place at the Hardy compound instead of the zone of impact. And Rebbe's got to protect Maxwell. Uh, this is this is so crazy man um you face crazy steve in a match but the real story here is that he says that maxel is rosemary's baby now and you call rebby but she doesn't answer and we see rosemary looking at maxel your premonition is coming to light <laughs> normally i have questions on follow-ups for stuff like that but this really is playing out like a movie it's playing yeah. out like a long form TV series. It's so different, Matt. No one's doing anything like this. I mean, and still that <laughs> that is what I want to do. I want to bring back the broken universe at, at some point, you know, maybe even when I'm not wrestling in the ring full time and make it a small series and and try and put it on a, a platform somewhere because it was just just so much fun. And like I would love to, you know, sit back and hook up with JB, Jeremy Borash, and Jimmy Long again, and 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 really do this and make it into like a, an entertaining series because that it it was it was so much fun and it, it was as far as like it was a great mixture and combination of like making movies and doing this broken mat insanity and the super entertainment super meta entertainment stuff uh, along with having some in ring action and still getting to do you know something I'm very passionate about, which is wrestling in ring, but it, we, we had a great balance going on at this point. What a great cliffhanger though. So yeah. your premonition is coming to life. Are you writing all this stuff? Yeah. I mean, I, the, the majority of it, I am. And, and one thing, like I was very adamant about some things like whenever I would have a premonition, it had to be right <laughs> every time. I mean, that, and that, that's one of the things that made, you know, the broken Matt Hardy character work, I think, you know, and, and it's like, there's there's times where he could fail or make mistakes, but like having a premonition is like something that you need to stay consistent with. And if you see something in your premonition, it needs to come true and you need to be ready for it. So I, I did a really good job of protecting that. I felt like during that time. And when we talked about it last week, too, it's that same concept. You reward the fans for paying attention. So if the fans yes. are following along to your premonition, they know there's going to be a payoff on that premonition in some capacity. Correct. That builds goodwill with fans. And that allows fans to then invest in your characters. Mm-hmm. And when fans invest in your characters' money, uh, Matt, you make money. So yeah, there you go. Right. So that's how it all works out like that. So that brings us to Delete or Decay. We are not going to go through Delete or Decay in much detail here because right. uh, there's totally an episode in and of itself oh just uh, on, yes. 
Um, it, it, it is, and too, I, I, I'll be honest. When I was doing cardio this morning, I watched the Leader Decay, and it was just so good, better than I even remember. Uh, and there, there was such a great job done by uh, Jeremy Borash and Jimmy Long as far as making like Decay like monsters, like very uh, scary, like dangerous monsters, you know, and, and it really put us in a, a great baby face position in so many ways, especially considering, you know, just a few weeks back, you know, Broken Matt Hardy was the, you know, biggest hill in the show. And I was pulling a guy out of the audience and biting his ear off, <laughs> you know, so it, it was so good. I really enjoyed watching it back. It reminded me of how fun it was. Maybe we can do a watch along of it as we yeah. go back and recap it we have to, yeah. when, when that point comes later this year. But this is pivotal. Because it's it's a monumental moment in the Broken Hardy character. Mm-hmm. So Crazy Steve and Jeff are fighting over a pool toy. And <laughs> we cut over to Abyss going after you and pulling out Janice, his weapon. Jeff then pops up and takes a shot to the ribs for you. Pushing me out of the way in the process. Saving me. Very much what you would see. Like I even thought of... Uh, in Avengers, um, what's the um, Age of Ultron? And I, I don't know if you've seen Marvel, yeah. but Quicksilver like takes the bullet, like he steps in the way to <laughs> save those that he loves. It's very cinematic moment here. Was right. this the catalyst for cementing Broken Matt Hardy as a sympathetic babyface because your brother made the sacrifice? Yes, very, very much so. And, you know, part part of the thing, too, which it goes along with our history, you know, obviously, people know Jeff has always been historically more popular than me. He's one of the most popular guys in the history of the pro wrestling industry, you know, but I have always been very popular on my own, you know, so like that, that, that was really easy material for me to work with and say, you know, that's why you do all these spot monkey, you know, you, you, you're a spot monkey, you do all these spots to get this glory and you, you won't give me glory because you're very selfish and, and you should take care of me and make sure I'm on that same level as you like, you know, make sure it's an even playing field. And now this is a moment where he has accepted and embraced everything. And he shoves me out of the way and he actually takes his death blow for me. And I just remember my line, even to him, like I thought it was very important. Again, I said, brother Nero, that was so unselfish of you. And, and, and it really worked in cementing us as a, a unit or a team together and also as, a, as the good guys and the heroes in the story. Very much so. And I think the fans were ready to cheer for Broken Matt Hardy. It took so long, Matt, for them to figure yeah. out what the fuck was going on with this character. <laughs> right. But once they did, well once said. we all did, everyone wanted in on that pie. And yeah. this was it. This was the moment. I watched the leader decay live as it happened. You got me watching impact as it happened. <laughs> and it's not something I was doing all the time. And I loved this stuff. I loved it. And I told you, man, I hated this when I first saw <laughs> right. it. So within that three, four month span, you flipped me and you flipped thousands and thousands of wrestling fans around the world at that point. How are you feeling? Once you have something like this, you have set up Bound for Glory, TNA's biggest pay-per-view of the year, and you're a baby face. This could not have worked out any better. Uh, I, I loved it. Uh, th- that is the point. You know, we had worked backwards, and we knew we wanted to have Decay at Bound for Glory, and that was going to be our big match for the for the TNA Tag Team titles. <clears throat> and we, we didn't know 100% how we were going to get there, which which uh, version of the Hardys. Was it going to be Broken Matt 
and Brother Nero, or was it going to be uh, a, some new rendition, uh, the uh, another version of the original Hardy Boys, Team Extreme, whatever. But it ended up working out just as we'd hoped as Broken Matt and Brother Nero. So once once we got there, and uh, I, I knew from day one there was going to be a moment at the end of that match where we're going to have some huge-ass ladder, and I was going to allow Jeff to indulge in his addiction of swantoning and being a spot monkey and jumping off the highest perch available. And that ended up being the finish of that match. And the fact that we were able to have the match live but incorporate some of the cinematic aspects of, of the story that we had done building up to that was so cool. And, like, we literally shot that the the night before, and they busted their ass working overnight to edit that that piece of cinematic match that was inserted in the actual live match during the day. And, you know, we tried to, you know, make sure that we kept continuity on all forms. But the fact that we were able to put that in there really felt like this was a great uh, blow-off match as far as our issues with Decay, as far as, like, solidifying the story. Not only are we on the same page, uh, but now we've won the TNA World Tag Team titles again, and we also utilized our movie-making skills as well in this match. So it had a little bit of something had a little bit of something for everyone. Aaron had a little bit of everything rolled up in this combination of the Great War. And then, like, winning that match and, and those tag team titles, we knew from there we wanted to, to start trying to make ourselves into the greatest tag team in all of space and time. Yeah, and even to mention, too, like, before you even got to the Bound for Glory Great War stuff, like, that's where we see the Lake of Reincarnation where Jeff is thrown in and comes out as the immortal Jeff, which I love so much. And oh, you right. referenced that on our interview with him. And that's just laying all this. We got the smoke and Joe Frazier stuff with the kangaroo. Um, yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you tell us about that? Because that is one of the most asked about things we get. I, I, I mean, I'm sure it is. It, 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 I mean, we're, we're both insane. Obviously we're pro wrestling, <laughs> so. but, but, but I, I do have to, to tell you, I mean, that is one of the most frightening things. Every time we would do it, like we fought with smoking Joe quite a few times. It was so intimidating. Uh, the, the deal with smoking Joe is he was a kangaroo that was a little older. That was a, pretty tame in the big scheme of things is what the people at, at the zoo it's a local zoo that is about 20 minutes from our place just kind of out in the middle of nowhere and uh whenever we would have these shots with smoking joe the rule was like we could protect ourselves and fin obviously we can't hit smoking joe but he can hit you you never knew what you're gonna get i mean he literally might just kick the shit out of you he, he might not want to fight or do anything he might not want to be active uh, there was one time where he took his claws and he, like scraped the show and me and my, my arm and back and some footage that had never, you know, never made air. So, so it was always like, uh, it, it was always an unknown. You never knew what you're going to get into when you had a, had a, uh, a little balance animal. <laughs> so, so it was one of those things too, man. Like, uh, you know, they say working with animals is very tough in show business and I, I can vouch for that. It was How also much- very intimidating, very intimidating. I mean, I would imagine. How much stuff is being shot that's not making the air? There, there was some stuff being shot. We, we were pretty. I, I feel like we were. Uh, we did a really good job at like being pretty tight and 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 planning out pretty wisely what we wanted to shoot and what we wanted to capture. Sometimes there'd be stuff that would just you know kind of hit the the cutting room floor just because it didn't fit and whatever we we're doing. But the majority of stuff, I would probably say ninety percent of the stuff that we shot uh, made air. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Yeah. So yeah, so we get the Bound for Glory Great War, which is an episode in and of itself as well. This, Indeed. by the way, the Great War is my favorite segment in TNA history. Oh, that's uh, cool. Very genuinely, cool. Genuinely, it was it 
for me, that broke barriers, like combining a cinematic match with a real match. We right. just never saw it before. It was crazy. And yeah, which was alive too, right? You know, it was like you know, an actual live match. What a great entrance, too, right? Rebby playing the piano. One of my favorite men. Jeff singing, then you coming out and just arms out, conducting the crowd. And they, they were singing along with they were so into it. That that is definitely one of my favorite entrances of all time. That's the broken universe there yeah. in, in one moment. And after you win that. You have a Wolf Creek match. You win that too, and that, that, that was done too. That that was uh, that was for Pop TV. They that was something they requested. I remember we're like, oh, we really don't want to do this, but they said, well, we really need this because it is for Pop TV. Hmm. Gotcha. Well, we'll take more dives into that as we get more into the decay over a period of time. Uh, there's some other stuff going on, kind of in the periphery here. The Death Crew mm-hmm. Council gets involved with you guys, Bram and Eddie Kingston which feels like a fever dream that Eddie Kingston was even involved at that point and looking at where he's at now. Right. So more importantly though, you guys are catching fire. Everyone's talking about you. And on December 2nd, 2016, you return to ring of honor. This is your second time there while you're still under contract with TNA appearing at final battle, which is their pinnacle show at this point. Mm-hmm. And you a you are in a video message addressing the Young Bucks and the Briscoes. That place in New York City went absolutely huh. insane. How did this come about? Because this lays the groundwork for the most pivotal four months of your life. Yeah, we I had been talking with the Young Bucks pretty regularly at this point, and we had started planning and plotting out to do a, a Ring of Honor. Uh, TNA impact crossover angle and it, it was starting to work and we were starting to mend the broken relationship that they'd had and then we ended up because of the some of the stuff that happened with Billy Corgan and Anthem and they had a little bit of a, a legal issue with one another over ownership and whatnot we had to move back the the taping dates of uh, total nonstop deletion because we're going to do this. This is going to be a big production over three days. And if it had been in the initial setting, we were going to have the young bucks come out and do it. And we'd already kind of got a green light on that. And we changed the dates. They ended up being in Japan or, or something where they couldn't make it. We even talked about doing a cameo because we definitely wanted to, to build to this angle as it was starting to work. And, and, and it seemed like it was going to get, you know, greenlit. Uh, I ended up doing this promo. I had talked to them, uh, a few days before final battle. And then I had cleared on my end and they had cleared on their end. And then I remember shooting this promo and I was doing a tour of Europe with, I want to say inside the ropes and then also some wrestling matches. I was wrestling at what culture over there. That's, I feel like I was wrestling the, the night that that aired and just, I remember coming back from the ring and my phone blowing up or what I, I, I was away from my phone for a minute I, with the time change. It would have been later there whenever this aired, but I remember my phone just like blowing up with all this stuff after I popped up on the Ring of Honor pay-per-view. But we were this close to this not happening because Ring of Honor for a second, they're like, well, what are we going to get out of this? Is there going to be a payoff? Is there going to be a payoff? And then, like, I remember I was just talking to the Bucks recently about this. They're like, come on. This is like they're the hottest thing ever. Like, why the Hardys are so red hot right now. Why, why would you not want to do this? This is going to be great, and we can build to something, and it's going to be great for Ring of Honor. And then even John Gabrick, too, was having second questions about it, and I had to talk him into letting it happen. And literally – we had we had set it up. We were going to do it, and then it was set. And then everybody had reservations about it, like hours before the show. And we 
literally got it greenlit probably an hour before it actually aired. And everybody was everybody. It, it was it was this close to not airing. Wow. And that, that was such a huge moment. And obviously it set up what would happen later in Ring of Honor. And 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 and, and I was trying to do as much as I could to try and make TNA seem like it was unpredictable. Like we could literally show up anywhere. You know, the 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 broken hearties, they 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 may come to your show. They they may be on Ring of Honor, they may be on WWE, who knows? Like this is amazing. And it, and it's something that is almost like a throwback to the old school territory days where the unpredictability of knowing that we could show up anywhere was something that was very special. And I think that's one of the reasons we were so so hot also at that time. And if I'm putting things into context here, Ring of Honor at this time is starting to get really hot. There are yeah. a lot of high quality. The Young Bucks, this is around when the Young Bucks really started to burst on the scene. Yes. As like These guys are the next big thing in tag team wrestling. Indeed. So they're there. Adam Cole is there. Kenny Omega is coming to his own. AJ Styles just left earlier that year. There's, there's a lot of momentum here for Ring of Honor. Over to, I would argue they were overtaking Impact, TNA, whatever it was at this time, as as the number two promotion. It, so it's it, no it, brainer. They were definitely getting hot. It's a no brainer to want to work with that, in my opinion. Yeah. So okay. you had the foresight on that front, and it's a huge segment, and it would set the things up. Uh, total nonstop deletion, as you said, happens December fifteenth. That's another episode as well, and yeah. I'm excited to get through that. You guys have some successful title defenses in january leading us to february 7th the hardys are firmly firmly cemented as very over one of the hottest acts in pro wrestling if not the hottest act in pro wrestling and they are on pop tv in tna <laughs> you guys begin a storyline where you would teleport to different promotions and win the respective tag team championship gold it is the expedition of gold. The explanation here is that Vanguard One has been upgraded and now has teleportation capabilities. You're cutting a great promo here. The crowd is super into what you're doing, and you start repeating words over and over and over and over, and they are so into this. You've got them eating out of the palm of your hands. A, how are you feeling here? B, what do you recognize as the ceiling? And C, how do you come up with the idea that we're going to take our act around the world and do this expedition of gold? After popping up on Ring of Honor on that screen, I mean, that that, that put so much equity in the idea that the Hardys could show up anywhere. And I said, let's really let's really do this. Let's follow through. And like Jeremy Borash was all about it, too. You know, and I want to say he reached out to Conan and like we, we knew we could go to Mexico and we wanted to go to Mexico first to really go big right right from the jump. Um, but then like, there's all these other indie promoters that we had worked for, uh, over the years. And we knew there were plenty of places we could go. And like, as long as you were willing to let us win your tag team titles, which you know, <laughs> I, someone, someone would be crazy not to, you're going to get exposure on this huge yeah. TV product. You know, this is an act that is really hot currently. So it, it, to me, it was a no brainer to do. And I thought it was a great way to build up the anticipation because we knew at this point we were going to end up working with the young bugs. Because we had this, uh, you know, this, this promotional angle set up, and it, it was pretty much locked in. You know, things obviously changed, but we knew we we're going to work with the Young Bucks, and we thought no better way to set this up than like going to all these different promotions and, and capturing their tag team gold. So the expedition of gold was put together in mind, leading up to the Young Bucks. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, did, did that include the two sweeter delete 
match that Jeff mentioned on the interview? Yeah, we we would have got that later once we once we did the whole full fledged angle. We would have ended up showing up at, at Ring of Honor, uh, winning their tag team titles. We would have been coming back to Impact, talking about the Ring of Honor tag titles, and then we'd had a series of matches. They would have probably won, you know, the Ring of Honor titles back, or they would have won the the TNA World Tag Team titles. Whatever. We're going to just do a, a a long series of matches with the Young Bucks in this uh, inter promotional angle. And Too Sweet or Delete would have been our the name of our cinematic match. What is important to recognize here is that you guys are doing these expeditions and getting to work with all these independent promotions while overhead in impact management is quarreling. It is changing. It's hard to even say at this point who is really in charge (laughs) because of the chaos going on. Does that give you guys more leeway to kind of do whatever you want to do with this stuff? Well, I don't. I don't know if it was the the management quarrels uh, that really gave us the leeway. I think we were just kind of trusted, especially with with JB Jeremy Borash, kind of like trusting you. Then who is who is being like you guys go out there and do what you want? I mean, I mean, literally, he would know how much time we had on TV, and then myself and Jeremy Borash would determine what the segments would be, and he we would go out and we'd film content, and he would he would put it together. I mean, he he literally whatever we wanted to do, we could do at that juncture. But the, I guess what I'm asking is, we know Jeff Jarrett's coming back into the fold here. There's all right. this anthem stuff. Billy Corgan, he was on his way out. Like, who right. is allowing you guys to do this? Uh, it, it, I mean, at, at, the, at the time, Ed Nordham was okay. the guy who was kind of representing from Anthem. But he knew nothing about wrestling. He had zero wrestling experience. So he he literally... Just said, okay, you guys, you guys do what you do, and you know, make it happen or whatever. I mean, Big, Big was still there too, uh, in a capacity, and he was probably the the our main contact or the person that we that we spoke with or talked to. Um, but it, it was it was going through lots of changes, and and it was just like you, you guys kind of do your thing, you know. We, we just we were trusted, and they would let us do it. And you know, even when Jeff Jarrett in our first few conversations we had with him, he was all behind the broken universe stuff. And he had a lot of great ideas. Even when I wanted to do, I wanted to do different uh, changes, like how I, you know, Matt had amnesia for a little while, broken Matt. And then during that period when I had the amnesia, it was like a different concept to keep broken Matt fresh. I wanted to keep like changing so that broken Matt wouldn't be oversaturated. So it wouldn't get played out. And even when I did the, the King and gold is kind of what I was doing at the very end right before we left. And I was going to get back to another broken mat thing there. But I remember there was one point where Jeff Jarrett said, Oh, for creative, I have this great idea for this celebration for the, 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 the King of gold celebration. And he had ideas. He was all on board with doing all the broken universe stuff though. Okay. So here we are, February 7th. Where are you contractually with TNA? So we had spoke with Ed Nordham. He had uh, came to our house and we had a, a long sit down talk with him kind of about what we want to do this, that, and the other thing. We talked about money and we had, we had pretty much verbally agreed. I, I want to say that that was out there. It said we'd verbally agreed. And, and we had, we'd said like, as long as we had this money and kind of the schedule, you know, and I, I actually wanted to even do more of creative for the whole show across the board. And, and that was kind of going to be part of the deal as well. Um, and we had pretty much said we're going to sign as soon as they get all their, you know, all their ducks in a row. Okay. And then, then we waited on this contract for a long time. And ultimately what ended up happening from, from what I understood is like uh, Jeff Jarrett was, you know, working on 
trying to tighten up the budget mm. you know, in the company. So, okay. so there, there ended up being some changes and some disputes there between us. And like, once again, Jeff Jarrett, he wasn't in the, the best place in his life at that time. You know, he's so, so much better now. So, so we, we, uh, we collided a little bit like uh, from contractual okay. stuff and, and creative stuff. So that's all going to kind of unfold in a three week period here. But while that's all happening, you guys are on the expedition. You show up yeah. in Tijuana. It's the crash. Conan was there. He's the intermediary between the two promotions. And you guys work your way into a vacant world title match with Super Crazy and Hooventude, which, again, fever dream, right? Like, who would have ever thought something like this would be happening? Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to tell you a quick story about this, too. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we went to crash, and, and it was very much... Mexico and like Mexican wrestling, like very much on the fly. Like we were going to wrestle Hoovitude and super crazy and win the tag titles. But then they changed the match to like a four way, like two segments before us. And there were like four teams out there and we went to the ring and like the majority of the guys spoke Spanish. Some of the guys spoke English and we had no idea what was going on. There was literally, we were like calling this match in the ring and like just oh. doing stuff. We had no idea what was happening during this match. It was one of the most insane matches I've ever been in. But I did love the fact that like we walked around outside the arena and we came through the arena and the fans were just going ape shit. It was so hype on, on that level, on that capacity. But when it came to the actual in-ring and the match, and, and we, we had no idea what was going on. It was all crazy and it all been changed last, last moment. I watched it back and they pretty much cut the other teams out. It's pretty much just you guys and Hooven Tootin yeah. super crazy in the video. So it makes sense. Yeah, and, and, and once again, that's where we had the benefit of, of JB controlling what was going to be on TV and what wasn't. But this is so unique because you guys aren't having matches in Impact, but you're having matches in Impact, right? Like, it's so right. different. And yeah. I love this. Vanguard 1's flirting with the ladies in the pa in the back, and he steals their tequila. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is such great creative. And we see a trope that develops here where every time you guys teleport, they do like a jump cut, and everyone in the crowd has no idea where you've gone. They're all freaking out. Would you guys, like those reaction shots, like you even did it in the impact zone, would you just tell the audience, react like you have no idea where we went? Yeah, they, they were great. I mean, they were, they were very happy to play along. We would just precondition awesome. the crowd like, hey, this is what we're going to do. And then whenever we cut back and we'll give them a cue, you guys act, you know, oh, my God, what happened? Bewildered. You know, and, and, and they were great. Oh, yes, bewildered. Yes, that's that's good stuff. The next week, it's Mid-Atlantic. You win those titles. Uh, and this is so cool, man, because these indie shows, the crowds are going nuts to see you. The boys in the locker room are super involved in these segments. You're showcasing indie talent on Impact Television. How did all these arrangements come about? Uh, I mean, those it was very easy, actually. I mean, those were just uh, dates I w was able to set up. Some of them may have already been like booked organic dates because I was still doing indies at that point, too. And uh, my brother was still doing some stuff with me because we were allowed to do that, obviously, with with TNA. So I, I feel like we tightened up the schedule a little bit, maybe changed a couple dates around it. And, you know, we told them like, hey, if you guys are down with this, you're going to be on TV. So it's going to be great exposure for your promotion you know so so most people were very happy to jump at that opportunity on march 2nd it's mcw a, a very popular independent promotion uh, you have senior benjamin take out the appalachian outlaws with yeah. a taser and you face the ectorage for the national tag team championship and it turns into a flea market brawl there's fireworks benjamin is super involved with it this is extremely entertaining this one and you guys do a big family celebration at the end 
that that was perfect, man. This that, you could not ask for us to pay that any better. Yeah, that 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 was so fun. You know, we'd already had uh, everyone booked there because they wanted the whole house Hardy to be doing the autograph signing. And we did like this huge ass long line autograph signing. And it was so cool that like, you know, uh, my wife's dad just got over so huge a senior Benjamin. He was so mysterious and, you know, you didn't know what his exact intentions or background was, or what is he a master of? You know, he was such a mysterious, uh, enigmatic part of the whole house Hardy thing. And he was really over too. He couldn't believe when he would just sometimes be out and people say, Oh my God, can I get a picture with you, senior Benjamin? He go, well, me? Like, you know, and, and he was shocked that they would pay him money to come and like write his name uh, on a piece of paper and take pictures with people. It was so, so cool. But like we, we did that and having the whole family there, I thought really added a whole nother dimension to it by having, you know, house Hardy in its entirety. Time to tell you about something I'm super passionate about protecting your family. Yes, this is a life insurance ad for goliathlife.com, but to me, this is really about peace of mind. Think about insurance for a second. We all get medical and auto insurance, yet we never even know if we're going to have a need for it. Let me let you in on a little secret. You need life insurance. We're all going to die. Now, as you let that reality sink in, think about what would happen if your family stopped having your income tomorrow. If you don't have a plan for that, you need to visit goliathlife.com. And I mean right now. And just personally, I've lost two friends in their forties this past year and a half. And I don't even want to think about what their families would be going through. Had they not had life insurance, if you don't have it, get it, protect your family. And I suggest you go to goliathlife.com because they've made the process of getting affordable life insurance, super easy. Goliath life streamlines the life insurance process by allowing you to get quotes for more than 20 carriers within minutes. And you'll pick your terms and payments to fit your budget. You pick your price. You start the online application immediately and even schedule the medical exam to come to you. And I've done it. They sent someone to my office. I skipped the phone calls, the paperwork and the crazy invasive conversations. Goliath life makes buying life insurance simple. There's no hidden fees, no upsells, no hassle. Hell, not even a phone call. Goliath life is life insurance in your hands on your time. Get multiple quick quotes right now from the comfort of your own home and begin your application in a few easy clicks right now at goliathlife.com. Things could not be going any better. Or could they? This airs on March 2nd, but we need to backtrack. Because on February 27th, you take to Twitter and announce this. My stint with Impact Wrestling was delightful. Exceptional talent in locker room, a great respectful team that worked hard in tough times. I wish Impact Wrestling all the best going forward, especially the industrious talent. I hope they are all treated with respect and fairness. That is your departure from TNA, Impact Wrestling, whatever it is at this time. Uh, Rebbe takes to social media and puts some people on blast. Everything that was going so well, the hottest act in pro wrestling, is suddenly gone. Yet, they still air this segment on TV with you guys winning more gold. Which tells me that there was probably some hope on their end that this stuff could be resolved. Take me through the departure. When does it become apparent that you need to leave and step away? I want to say I had told 
because there had had been some issues with our negotiations and they had been trying to change some things. And I remember telling Ed probably right after that aired <laughs> uh, that, you know, that I, I am, I am not going to resign the deal. And I don't think my brother is as well because just things, they don't seem like they're going to be how we had hoped from a financial and almost a creative aspect. And then, uh, you know, cannot tell a lie. We knew there was an opportunity for us to, to go back to WB and it was going to be a pretty big money deal because we, we were hot. And then, uh, you know, we, we just decided to do that. And, and it seemed like the best path. But one thing I can say is we were totally committed to impact and we were planning on being there for the long haul. And we wanted to do this different stuff of the broken universe. And I was going to be very happy to work with Jeff Jarrett and whoever. Um, but there, there were so many things that were just chaos at, at that juncture. And I'll never forget whenever we said we weren't going to end up signing the new deals that we talked about or whatever, uh, we offered to come to TV's that next week. And I said, we'll drop the titles to do whoever you'd like us to drop them to. We'd be more than happy to like do business the right way, do business the right way. And, uh, uh, Jeff Jarrett ended up responding said, no, uh, we, we don't want you to come back. Or, or maybe Ed even said, like, uh, Jeff Jarrett said, he doesn't want you to come back. We don't want you to come drop the titles. Uh, we just we want the title sent back. And Shane Holmes, who was our buddy and who was a producer agent at TNA at that point, he ended up driving to our house and, and getting the titles back and, and, and taking them down there. And I, and I feel like he got a lot of heat over everything with us. He was the one that they could kind of take it out on, I guess, because he was, you know, best buddies with, with Matt and Jeff Hardy. So he, he kind of like took the, uh, the blunt of the punishment that they could punish us for, I guess, after, uh, after we ended up leaving. So yeah, it was, it was such a weird deal too. They did like uh, a deal where we were teleporting and then they had decay show up, you know, like they titles from us. Right. And, yeah. you know, so somewhere in teleportation, in the middle of space or whatever, which was interesting, but I mean, we legitimately like said, you know, let us, come drop the titles and even this, after we we're off contract we could do it and also uh people with WWE or ring of honor that everybody was going to be cool with it and we wanted to do things the right way but they were adamant that they didn't want us to come back to tv and drop the titles i don't know if they thought we were going to try to pull something or, or what but we were literally trying to do business you know the right way how bittersweet is it when you come to the realization that this thing that you built and put so much love and effort to as we've been recapping on this series this is a year and a half plus long ordeal here almost two years uh, how bittersweet is it when you see it end on these terms without a proper closure yeah i mean it, it was it, it was disappointing because we we really were looking forward to, to staying with impact and 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 doing our doing our deal there like i mean i i think if, if things would have worked and all the you know all the stars would have lined or all the planets would have aligned uh you know we were cool with being there for the remainder of our careers because we were just having such a blast it was so much fun and it was one of those deals where it didn't feel like a job it didn't feel like work you know what is it they say like you know if you go to if you go to work every day and you're having fun it's not truly a job or whatever it was it was that kind of environment there up and up until the end and then things started changing a little bit and, and i don't know i guess uh you know, people say things happen for a reason. I don't always like that. I think sometimes people use that as an excuse. But I think in this scenario, things happen for a reason. Yeah, and, and I want to reiterate, because you have reiterated this to me too, like you and Jeff Jarrett now are on good terms and everything's Great. good. And, and Yeah, and even like we went back to Impact and, uh, 
you know, I, I saw Ed Nordham whenever I went back with private party and we we're doing that crossover with AAW and, and impact and just, just, just sit back with him and have a meal and catch up. And, and we actually talked to him afterwards. I met him in Toronto when I was there for a WWE house show and we took a photo and I endorsed him and, you know, whatever kind of bad business dealings we'd had in the past, you know, I want to do everything I could to, to repair that and tell the people like, yeah, support impact wrestling. These guys are are really trying to to build a nice place for guys to come in and wrestle and, and make money and you know apply their trade. Yeah. So on, on next yeah, week's absolutely. episode, we'll get into the nitty gritty of all that creative stuff right. because that is a major legal holdup that has ramifications on the pro wrestling industry. Quite frankly, um, right. so, so so we'll get into the nitty gritty of that. But I want to run through some notes from the Observer here real quick as your contract comes up, and you just tell me if it's Matt fact. Or, or Matt Fiction, um, or more or less here. So uh, TNA was insisting on you guys signing exclusive deals. Matt Fact or Matt Fiction? Uh, Matt Fiction. We're okay. still going to be able to do other stuff. Okay. Um, you guys, especially you, were not happy about the new creative team that was coming in. Um, I, I, I had some issues, but, but I, I felt like I was going to pretty much be a part of it too. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's maybe somewhere in the middle. That's like Matt Middle, nope. you know, Matt middle. You know uh, a little bit of fact, a little bit of fiction. Matt Middle. Um, the Hardys wanted creative control written into their TNA deals and were turned down. Ah, uh, that's Matt Fiction for sure. Okay, so that's not accurate. Yeah. Uh, when Jeff found out that that stuff was denied, he wanted to leave, and you were still in talks on the exclusive nature of the contract being a major issue. So basically. Jeff decided I'm out, but when they told you, oh, we want exclusive, uh, that's that's a problem. I assume that's mad fiction based on what you just said. Yeah, I mean, it, it was one of those deals where we could still we could still do other stuff and other bookings, but they were going to be paying us a pretty high salary. So it was mm-hmm. like they still wanted to have a lot of say in what we did, but it, it wasn't like exclusively TNA or nothing. He then says the huge question now, this regards the Broken Hardy's characters that Matt created. Matt is claiming the character is his and should be able to take it wherever he wants. TNA is claiming since the characters debuted on their TV, uh, they own the intellectual property. When did you start to realize this was going to become an issue? Um, when we started doing Ring of Honor. And that that is Matt. In fact, all that is correct. Okay. So that's going to lead us down the path that we will get to next week. But things start to get a little murky from there. So you guys depart, there's the Rebby social media stuff, and it, it gets a little heated. The blood between the two sides here is really starting to boil, and Anthem issues a cease and desist to Ring of Honor, in which Anthem basically ordered Ring of Honor as well as any broadcasting company that is airing the 15th anniversary pay-per-view that you guys are going to be on to not in any way speak of, indicate, or acknowledge the existence of the broken Matt and Brother Nero characters and instead refer to the Hardys as simply Matt and Jeff Hardy. How concerned are you that this is going to have a tangible effect on what you guys are trying to accomplish? Because you're riding the momentum of the broken characters here. Yeah. Um, personally, <laughs> I, want, I, I wasn't very concerned at all. Uh, and I was still up for doing the majority of stuff. I mean, like, as long as you don't, uh say those terms i mean you would have been fine i mean i was like i still do the act i mean i'm still matt hardy 
you know, even if you don't call me broken Matt Hardy, you know, I'm still Matt Hardy and it's still like a way of acting because even like, like taunts and specific, uh, body mannerisms and the way you say words, I, I really don't think that is stuff that you can, you can totally, uh, win over. Yeah. It's, it's something that you can lean into and just do your own variation of in some way. And they can't really come after you for that. I mean, I, 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 I wasn't sweating. The people like Joe Coff at Ring of Honor was very concerned about it. And he just asked us to make things as simple as possible, which I understand, you know, from a business perspective, I obviously get that, you know, so, so, so we dialed it down a little bit and we worked uh, as more of a regular Matt and Jeff, you know, I just still kind of just still did the delete talk and I did some of the things that were, you know, the, the broken Matt body mannerisms, you know, and we just, we, we still went at it like that. I think it's important to put in perspective too. We're talking Ring of Honor, which was owned by Sinclair Broadcasting Group at the time. Sinclair is right. a massive, massive, massive company, just enormous. Yeah. And then you have Anthem, which is a pretty big company in its own right in Canada. So you don't want to get into a legal battle there because that gets really murky. So mm-hmm. I understand the hesitance on Ring of Honor's part in that sense too, even with a big company like Sinclair. So you guys are the only team recognized as both the TNA and Ring of Honor World Tag Team Champions simultaneously here. But as you said, the titles are just dropped without any explanation, really. That Decay just kind of take the titles via teleportation, which is a new for wrestling, I guess. Uh, First ever time. Um, (laughs) Was there more stuff filmed that never made the air of you guys on your conquest here? Yeah, there there was definitely there was more content that, that never made air, yes. Okay. Because you worked in several other promotions as well that you guys picked up championships from. We we did a couple other things. I know they they didn't show th- there was one that was had been made for air that JB had shot that they just didn't show because that's the one that we teleported from the pool and ended up being intercepted by Decay and they showed up with the titles as opposed to where initially they were going to cut to us showing up at the arena and winning another set of tag titles. Yeah, on the March 16th episode of Impact, Bruce Pritchard cut a promo in the ring, said the tag team titles are one in the ring, not in space. And he, of course, played upon your greatest tag team in all of space and time. And yeah, so that was a pretty emphatic way of saying the Hardys are gone here and they're not coming back. So you guys beat the Young Bucks? Yeah, but we we, we show up after a Young Bucks, Young Bucks match and... Uh... In New York City, yes. uh, in front of in front of a, 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 a amazingly white enthusiastic white hot, yeah, uh, New York City crowd, and it's so funny thinking back to how hated and despised Big Money Matt was when he first started there, to how beloved mm-hmm. Broken Matt and Brother Nero were whenever they showed up. You know, especially following, you know, we had done that teaser, you know, in Final Battle once again at, at that point. We were planning on being with Impact for the long haul. We were going to do this, you know, uh, interpromotional angle, you know, between Ring of Honor and, and TNA. But then, like, uh, we ended up just going to to Ring of Honor, and we worked uh, about a month with them as we had, like, about a month to fill before we uh, were getting back to our next day job. Mm. In a company built on reality wrestling, the Broken Hardys come in and turn the world upside down. Yeah, yeah. And it is wild to think about and yes matt it does set you up for a new day job 
you signed the biggest contracts in Ring of Honor history, according to you guys. And uh, I don't know, something tells me that may or may not be accurate. But, um, <laughs> it, may be that it may be okay. Matt Fiction. It may be Fiction. That may be Matt Fiction. Gotcha. But it does set us up for one of the greatest moments in modern pro wrestling history. That is not hyperbole. It is very much mad fact. And that's what we will cover next week on the final edition of our Becoming Broken series, <laughs> WrestleMania 33 in Orlando, Florida. What can we look forward to, Matt? Uh, it was a truly, as you said at the beginning, at the top of this episode, it was an intoxicating experience. That, that weekend of doing three shows, you know, just to give you an overview of it, you know, we main evented WrestleCon against the Lucha Brothers. And then we wrestled the Young Bucks in a ladder war, a 30-minute match. And then we returned to what, you know, many people consider our home, the WWE, uh, on the grandest stage of them all, WrestleMania 33, to legitimately one of the, the greatest reactions in all of pro wrestling history. You know, it, it, was, uh, it, it was an intoxicating weekend for sure. And there's so many great behind-the-scenes stories about how this match came to be at WrestleMania 33, which I'm really excited to, to share with each and every one of you from the locked room that is my mind. Yes, you and I, when we got that lunch at Chipotle and ironed out this podcast, you told me one of those stories, and I said, Matt, I don't want to hear any more of it. Save it for when we talk about this, because it is fantastic. Right. I was at that WrestleMania, man, and I cannot wait to go through that. This is going to be an all-timer next week on the extreme life of matt hardy and if you love this episode or you're looking forward to next week's episode you head on over apple podcast spotify google podcast wherever you get your podcast you subscribe and what do you do matt give us five stars give us that five star review across the board i told you guys once we finish this series matt and i are going to pick a winner and we'll give out a little uh, surprise to someone so make sure you leave that five star review it really helps out the show and spread the good word of this podcast that is the biggest thing that you can do to help us more than anything else matt hardy you are killing it in aw right now the hardy boys are mega mega over uh you had that insane tornado tag match uh i texted you after that. i said you are indeed fucking insane and i, I can't believe my proteges my kids private party they hit me with my own move off a stage, down to the concrete floor, through tables. Yeah, Isaiah said uh, he's got to check his wording. He said he got his ass pounded by a 63-year-old man. I don't, I don't know how, uh, how that comes across, but, uh, man. It's, it's, it's 2022, man. You can say stuff like that. <laughs> you can. Uh, and I can say this. Sting is the coolest MFer in the world. So oh, unreal, man. I look forward to seeing what the Hardys have planned for AEW this week and if anyone's in wrestlemania dallas this week enjoy yourself have a great time check out that jeff hardy show yes we'll see you next week here on the extreme life of matt hardy the words have been spoken things one more time will be broken matt i appreciate you and we'll see you all next week right here all right thank you john see you guys thanks everyone for tuning in